Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our interview with Melissa Bennett-Hines. Let's jump right in. Melissa, can you tell us about the type of client or the type of experience someone has that leads them to seeking out Gestalt therapy? That's a really, really good question. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. Very actually one in my entire career. And I've been in private practice since 2008. Um, part-time to some extent, and then full-time private practice in 2016. I've had one person in all of those years come to me because they wanted a gestalt therapist because they knew something about it. Actually two, I take that back. One was a, a therapist seeking treatment um, who had a supervisor who was a therapist who was a gestaltist and she wanted to work with somebody who had that background. But I had one person who was a professor and very intellectual and very well-read and he was looking for a gestalt therapist and that's how he found me but people don't come looking for that um they come because for any other reason uh they're depressed they're anxious there's some kind of problem they're upset and as a therapist you know we have to meet them where they're at with their agenda you know as a therapist as a human um because they're coming to you for that reason and i think this is where the creativity and the hard part comes in for me as a therapist is switching away and getting out of that content, getting away from their agenda and moving into the process of what's happening between us, what's happening in the moment, what's happening uh, cognitively, physically, emotionally, what in the moment. And that's where the switch comes and we can start getting into the characterological patterns that emerge. Um, but you have to get into the, that moment with them. And the relationship has to have a certain amount of trust built. And there has to be a bridge to start moving into that space. You know, and that's sort of the art of when does that happen? And how do I, how do I create that foundation? How do I move in? And, and I think that there are certain people that want certain things out of therapy right? They, they might want a therapist who is going to give them skills, homework assignments, very tangible things that they can work on and accomplish. And they also might have an, for example, let's say they have a phobia of elevators, right? So maybe a gestalt approach for someone like that isn't going to be the best. Like, you know, if somebody comes to me and they have this fear of getting on an elevator, but they have to get in an elevator because they're going to go to a job at this building that's like 52 floors up in New York City, you need an exposure therapist, right? So it's kind of hearing what they're really needing out of therapy, what the person is wanting, where they're at, because it is a relational therapy and it's also an experiential therapy there is a lot of room for my interventions with people that are not black and white. Um, I absolutely don't give homework assignments that creates all kinds of problems. But I also know that through the work I do, if you don't have an idea and if it doesn't come out in the work naturally of the patterns that you're looking at, characterologically what's going on, that just seems to very organically translate over into people's lives in between the therapy sessions. I know that some of the 
ways a gestalt therapist works can help people who are actively psychotic, who have dementia, because people with dementia still feel, you know, they still have body movement that you can highlight or notice. And I find it to be extremely helpful for people who are wanting to look at relationships, how they're showing up. Oh, I keep getting stuck. Oh, it's my fourth job in, in 10 years. And, and the same thing is going on with my boss again. And what is wrong with all of these people? And looking at what's going on with you, that this is recurring over and over and over because we're all in relationship, right? With everything in the world. I mean, if there's a common scenario occurring repeatedly that's causing a problem, then we have to look at what's happening in each one of those fields that you're moving through that is similar, right? And that shows up in our bodies, that shows up in our responses and our emotions. You know, and the other thing I'm going to say is, as I sit with that for a moment, is people do have to have a certain amount of willingness because it's not so directive. Um, it's a really, there's a lot of experiential process that I ask a lot of open-ended questions and just what's going on for you. What are you feeling as you say that? What do you notice? And so they have to have an amount of a willingness to be flexible and be curious and just explore because sometimes we just try things on, right? To see if they fit. And sometimes we take it off because it doesn't fit or we don't like it, you know? And so it's, it's also known as a creative therapy. And to a certain extent, when I notice somebody doing something, like they have the same maybe facial expression every time we talk about their mom, you know, if they start looking up to the right or they start tapping their, their fingers on the, the chair, you know, or I'll hear something over the screen. Are you tapping something? Yeah, I know my fingers are moving. You know, so they have to be willing to explore some of that um, with me. And some people don't want to, you know, some people just don't have that willingness to do that. And that's okay. There are many ways to healing. It doesn't have to be through any one modality of therapy. On a personal note, I just started doing my telltale foot shaking, which is what I do when that subject comes up. <laughs> Nothing more on that. Well, I mean, that is there brings up a, like a question I was going to have is how has teletherapy impacted your work? Because I imagine that you can't see a person's whole entire body. I imagine the space is a lot different. Yeah, that is such an interesting topic to discuss. Gestalt, which is also a somatic based therapy, right? Where we want people to connect with their body and what they're doing. And yes, I have lost part of what I use as a clinician to inform me of what your experience is or what possibly I need to be paying attention to. So Sarah did something beautiful just now, which was you told me, oh, there I there it is, that repeated foot tapping, foot movement again. And so in this new um, era of telehealth, and most of my practice is on a computer now. I do have to teach people, um, especially if they aren't experienced in Gestalt. I have to teach them what I need in order to best serve them. And so I do talk about the use of the body. I do draw their attention to and take a moment here and there when it's 
clinically appropriate or when I hear something or when I see something in my indicate movement um, and, and help them help me because I don't get to see their whole body. So I do have to pay attention to something that might tell me there's something going on over there I need to ask about. And I have to teach them that it's important for you to tell me if you notice some movement you're making that I cannot see. Um, if you are, if you repeatedly do something, I, I want to hear about that. And so part of it is I've had to learn to teach them what to do that I've lost because yeah, I can't, I have no sense of smell over a screen, so I can't smell odor, which could be something important. Um, I can't see someone's gait. I cannot see their posture, the way they're moving, the way they're walking, if they're injured, if they are wheelchair bound, unless they tell me, I would never know. You know, that could be a big part of their story and what's in their field and how they're relating to me. Um, so things do get lost over a computer screen. And I've had to figure out how to do the work I used to do in person over a screen. So I've moved it back now. But in I think if you read anything about Gestalt, what people think of is the empty chair experiment. Like if you know anything about Gestalt, famous for the empty chair. And that is just one tool. And not everybody will even be willing to do it with me. But what I've learned is what I used to do is I would have them put a chair in the room with them. And what I've been playing with is I move my chair that you see in the corner over there. I don't know how well you can see that chair behind me. I move it right behind me when I work. And then when I have somebody put a part of themselves in the chair or a person in the chair or a feeling in the chair or an institution in the chair, I kind of get out of the way and do the experiment that way. Um, and that took a while to figure out how to do that. So I'm still learning. I'm still growing in this role over a computer screen and it's so new and we I think we all did this we just dove in right it was like boom pandemic everything's shut down I have to earn a living these people that we're serving also still act even more so now in their isolation need support and how do you keep doing that? And so I'm, I'm still learning as I go, but it, it's a, it's, it's interesting. And what I have discovered too, and, and is I have developed with people over a screen, extremely connective, extremely intimate, trusting relationships. And I've never met them. And that is remarkable to me that contact and dialogue and our experiences can still be felt can still be shared even with this boundary. I mean, Melissa, as you were saying that, I was remembering that there were a few clients I see now that I was seeing before the pandemic. And, you know, at this point, I've been seeing them virtually longer than I saw them in person. And there are folks I've been seeing for three years now over. And I will sometimes ask, like, how tall are you? <laughs> or, you know, what do you, what, what is your fashion sense? What are you, what are you wearing when we're not meeting in this very private room just so I can have a better idea of what they are bringing to the table, how, how, how they are received by the world, you know, their body type below the shoulders. And there is this, this, um, intimacy in talking about our own, our own presentation for people that I think it's unfortunate that we kind of aren't able to ourselves just perceive it as virtual clinicians. But then there's also seem like this really added benefit to folks being able to stop and think like, Oh, I haven't had to 
describe myself in a non-deprecatory way. <laughs> and that invitation uh, seems really beautiful. It almost leads me to be curious about, is that what you hear when you ask people you're sitting with to describe what you can't see mm-hmm. as self-deprecating? Do you hear a lot of that in the work? Of how people describe themselves? Yeah. When they are, when they are talking about themselves without the attention that they're talking about themselves, if that makes sense. Like if you ask someone to, you know, without, without attaching to the best of your ability, without attaching judgment, tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. I think there is some ability to describe what they see and then kind of feel taken aback by, oh, oh." but then if, if you're not really paying attention or if they're not really paying attention to what they're doing, as you've mentioned before, this, this slide that we can have very easily and understandably, because we are taught to treat our bodies like a problem, but this really quick slide that we fall into of this is what I have. And this is why it's bad. This is what I'm working towards. Yeah. And I, I hear in this new way of working over a computer, that's another way to reveal a part of themselves, right? And that work then naturally comes forward in a way we wouldn't have anticipated or expected, or maybe even done in the past when we're sitting in the room together. You know, and you get to hear that relationship the person has to their own body and the way they talk about their own body and how that shows up in the contact they have with you in the dialogue. And that's, that's a beauty of telehealth that we get to have. Yeah. I was even thinking that having a client be in, in a different space than you, and especially like a home space uh, might, might pose a difficulty because, you know, we're unfamiliar with how that client would react in that space. But I think it's also, it's also an opportunity because the client is in such a comfortable place that like, maybe they will be more mindful. Um, I know Sarah, when you were saying, asking clients about how they would describe their like fashion sense or or what they're wearing. And my first thought for myself was schlubby, which is not a positive word. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. (laughs) And now I'm moving towards comfortable um, because that for me is what's important for clothes. But yeah, I I think it's, it, it can be seen as a barrier but it's also such, it, it it affords such great opportunities. Absolutely. And one of the things that I didn't even anticipate, but is um, a result of telehealth as I get to meet pets, significant others, oh. children, I get invited into people's homes, into some of the most intimate spaces in their homes. And that opens up a whole nother um, window for me to get to know them when I never would have if they're coming to my office. And, you know, our relationship is so boundaried and it's so in many ways like prescribed. And so I've found telehealth to be in that way really special because I get to be invited into places I would never have had an opportunity to go. And that also I noticed really builds some of the relationship I get to have with people because they get to share more of themselves with me rather than just telling me about it. Uh, and and I really, I've gone on tours with people, you know, through their houses and it's just been really a, a lovely aspect of it. I never would have thought prior to doing telehealth in the way I do it now. Also meeting partners. I think it's, it's it can be a different experience for each client, you know, especially depending on the relationship uh, too. But yeah, there are so many 
things you just get invited to be a part of. And I really feel that as you're saying that just getting the pleasure of seeing somebody's home. Yeah. And the differences of going to an office that, you know, in my experience that I didn't put together, that was very much didn't have me in it. You know, my sense of style Nick, I also get to show that now too to people. Stop provoking questions <laughs> and curiosities. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Behind me is the space that I do for therapies. This is what clients see. And uh it, it's also nice sometimes I'll 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 step out because you know, people be like, so bad at cleaning my house and blah blah. blah. And I'm like, okay, if you look if if I I could tilt the camera over here to the pile of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it looks nice right here. And so it's also just like a great equalizer too, to be like, Uh I'm human as well. Like, like I meet with clients on Saturday morning sometimes and it's like, this is your Saturday. Like, let's just like, Ooh, what's that feeling of Saturday morning? And like, how is that informing what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Yes. I can really relate to what you're saying. The way my office looks has changed quite a bit because there's only a certain view right? And I can, I can manipulate that view very easily and very quickly. And I think it is a really great way and a a useful tool to show people how human we really are. Like if you saw my desk or the pile of paper or my yoga ball, the bulletin board that hasn't gotten hung up, the papers that I have in piles for all my accounting that need to get organized and file away. I mean, it's just, it's my workspace, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very lived in workspace. And so I, I think that that's a beautiful tool we can use with normalizing our lives with our clients, you know, especially when they get to see this one aspect of us that we're showing up and, and that's what the job is, right? Our work is to be consistent, present, not to get caught up in the, the noise of our lives and to have tools we can use to leave that stuff next to us. So we can show up here and be present and grounded and consistent and life happens. Life happens to everybody. It's wonderful that they can see when it's clinically appropriate, right? That can be something that we use to bridge us and them Mm -hmm. and build that relationship. And sometimes we don't want them to see it. So we clean up behind us, right? (laughs) Or sometimes we kick the dog out of the room because she's snoring too loud. Yes, 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 yes. Sometimes a tail comes between me <laughs> and the and the camera, and that's fine. And there's all different textures of tails, <laughs> and it's okay. And as a client, I appreciate those moments I get to have with whoever's serving me in the moment, whether it be a workshop I'm in over Zoom or my own therapist. I appreciate that humanity, that commonality, and it's it's comforting to me. And not only as a human, but as a clinician, like I don't, I definitely am not perfect. I don't have to be perfect. And that takes the pressure off, right? If something happens, it happens. And that can be useful in the moment to the client. And maybe it's something we need to just move on from. My dog does have a couch in this room. She has her own special little couch. Yeah, there's, so. a, there's a cat bed in here and there's that cat house, which I won't stop calling it even though it has two, two meanings, but it's that cat house I built out of cardboard. That's two stories <laughs> that has, that has shingles all in my office. Pumpkins, pumpkins couch is a small, tiny Victorian fainting couch. Um, I don't know if I've, I've talked. About it. 
That's the, well, that's a, is a, it's like a chaise lounge, right? Or yeah, lounge yeah, it's that... yeah. So it was either like for children or people like traveling salesmen used to have smaller copies of their of the lounges that they sold, so that you could see it. Um, like a little little tent. Yeah, yeah. So I bought it at an auction. <laughs> he said I have to have this tiny couch for my huge dog. I love it. I will I'll post a picture of it on I'll give I'll, we'll post a picture of, of the couch. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The well, Melissa, this has been such a joy speaking to you about yeah. gestalt therapy and about the just what it the different world it opens up for your clients. And I'm just so happy to have learned this information. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing that with your time and your energy. It was great to meet you. It was lovely meeting you both and thank you for inviting me into your space and onto the show and I feel like I've made some friends in Pennsylvania oh, today. Yes. Oh we've made a friend in North Carolina. So you have a friend. Hi, <laughs> like yeah. that. I'm very you. grateful for this time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And hey, folks, I mean it. Please do those things. Yes. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at TND Pod, on Twitter at TND Pod One. One is in the number one. I keep remembering that I need to connect to Twitter again so we actually get updated. <laughs> <laughs> or visit our website at tndpodcast.com. <laughs> Um, if you would like early access to full interviews, history lessons, and a private community, and so much more, head on over to our Patreon. I've said it a bunch of times. It's in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash podcast. You can also email us at therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com if you just want to see how we're doing. Um, you can also find an interview request form in our Instagram bio. And if you're listening to this and you would love to be on the show, please, please, please let us know. We would love to talk to you and uh have you on the show so do that please sarah do you have anything please yeah Uh, do you have anything to plug yeah uh plug in plug in plug in tell therapy with sarah.com uh we are now offering career coaching for exploitative work systems we've expanded from career coaching for therapists it's going well i'm really enjoying this Oh yeah. If you are in need of figuring out how to, uh, as our guest mentioned, figuring out, you know, you know, is it, is it these four jobs in a row or is it me also like we can figure out how to help you survive in these exploitative systems and uh, yeah, I need a better pitch for it, but I'm really enjoying coaching this. I was on a podcast recently, Joanna, it's called Empowered Connection Podcast. I listened to it. It was great. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I talked about Joanna in it. I, I talk about Joanna everywhere I go, <laughs> but I talked about, <laughs> talked about internalized capitalism and a potential life after. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The blog posts are always going up for uh, mindful anti-exploitation living. So check them out. Uh, the store is up. There's some cool stuff on there. Check it out. Oh. Um, I think that's it. Joanna, what about you? Cool. Yeah. Just check out my links. Get my links. They're there. <laughs> Get those links. Get those links. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else I want to plug. Usually, I plug something cool uh, besides me. <laughs> or we can plug um, "You're Wrong About" series. Yes. On Karen, Karen Carpenter. <laughs> um, I mean the general podcast. The in podcast. general, yeah. yeah. You're wrong about. Yeah. I feel like I'm only really friends with them because I listen to them on more than one podcast. So yes. Yes. I don't want to meet them and be disappointed though. So, or disappoint them. <laughs> I recently saw a podcast in person. So oh, um, that was so weird. Yeah. It was, it was very cool. Oh. It was, it was at the Fillmore. <laughs> it was full. The Fillmore. 
in Philadelphia. It's hard to fill. Yeah. Fillmore. It's a very big venue. It's huge. A lot of standing room, too. It was all seats. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was really interesting. Anyway, I believe you. It was a NAD pod, which is a fun D&D real play podcast. Oh, nice. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, until next time. We. We. Are you a are therapist? Are you a therapist? Next door. Next door. See you. Bye. Bye.